This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the manly, manly Warthog Man Cave in the piney woods of North Central Florida, which is rather dry right now, by the way. And uh, we're looking for some rain. We're going to talk about that at the bottom of the hour here in our weather report on Ward's Weather Report, which will be brought to you by Lewis Oil. Uh, we are, of course, in the Melvin Law Studio. Great supporter of ours, uh, Jeffrey Melvin, is the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida Gators and really is very involved in this community and supports this show, as does Crime Prevention, <coughs> which uh, keeps us safe and secure 24-7, 365. Crime Prevention with John Pastore and Randy Elrad is a locally owned business for your security needs, and I always highly uh, recommend that you support locally owned business. Support the people who support us. You'll see great ones here. On the spot cleaners, uh, style cuts. Well, you can get your ears set out, as my father used to say, or the other <laughs> term he used, go get policed up. Uh, there was no such thing as a long hair deal uh, with him. And uh, I always remember those two terms. So uh, go down there to style cuts and tell them you watch the Ward Scott Files. And particularly if you watch on Wednesday with Ted Yoho, our former U.S. representative, whom a lot of people wish he still were. I uh, got a <laughs> note here, which I passed along to him from one of our listeners who is no doubt tuned in right now from, I believe, Vicksburg, Mississippi, uh, who watches intently and um, loves the show and wishes Ted were still in D.C. And I appreciate um, him saying that. Yeah, he's a, he's a fan. And so they're out there, Ted. Um, and we're going to, of course, uh, uh, proceed with anything you want to chat about. I'll be watching the chat line. But the thing that um, is really on our minds, as I suspect, is money. You know, all of us have to manage our money. But I'm afraid we have raised a generation probably, I know, differently from the way I was raised, no doubt, differently from the way Ted Yoho was raised. And that is you don't spend more than you take in. And whatever you borrow, you're responsible for paying back. And you're very honorable about that. In fact, where I came from, you don't even need paper to support it. It's a handshake agreement because a man's word is his honor and you don't ever break that or you never get it back. And that was lost though when community became abstract and diffused. You know, once upon a time, particularly in the rural community, which Ted knows all too well, having been a veterinarian with large animals mostly, which is a highly needed skill. Um, you knew everybody and you didn't behave, buddy, or you weren't, you weren't asked back and, uh, you might have to come back. And, you know, the whole thing about uh, race and that business in the south and rural areas, we were all together. I was loaded hay yesterday by a great, great buddy of mine. We are cutting hay right now uh, because we just don't have any rain, believe it or not. And the guy who loaded me was my black neighbor, who is as close to me as anybody can be. And uh, we depend on each other. He saw me across the uh, the pasture uh Ted came rolling that way with uh, 
and we were literally uh, loading from the Shaw pasture yesterday, uh-huh. cutting it and loading it fresh right then. So, uh, <clears throat> we got Ted Yoho with us today. You're watching the Words God Files, and uh, you may uh, participate on the chat line. Uh, we're talking about money is what got me off down this rabbit hole. And we've raised a whole generation of people and Congress. It doesn't seem to give a, a tinkers, you know what, about money because it's not theirs. And in case they get in a bind, they just print it all, print more. So, Ted, uh, I don't know how you follow a rap like that. Golly, that was extra, extra <laughs> off the top of my head. What do they call it? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was. Um, no, I appreciate it. Yeah, we've got a mess. Um, and this is something, you know, I went up to Congress to fix and I failed miserably because it's gotten not it didn't get better. It got worse. And that was the reason I challenged John Boehner. And it was the reason I, you know, we talked about when the speaker fight was going on, that Kevin was not the right person um, because he would go back on his word. He wouldn't fight strong enough. And, you know, we predicted that this deal would come together. They're going to pat each other on the back saying this is how a democratic process is supposed to work. You know, there's give and takes and there's compromise. And I agree with that. But when you listen, and I haven't read the bill, so that's a disclaimer. I'm going by what I've read in personal um, text messages from people that are in Congress right now. Um, When you look at the the narrative out there, um, Kevin McCarthy is saying this was the biggest um, savings in in, in ever, you know, 26 point some billion dollars. But it's uh, it's all a shell game. You know, the things they say they've saved, they really haven't saved. They just pushed them off. And they, they said that they didn't um, default. They're going to raise the debt ceiling. But they used a different word. And they were going to remove the debt ceiling, not suspend it. And so, you know, they're using different terminology to make you think they made progress. In the meantime, we're going up to $34 trillion this year. We'll be at 35 or $36 trillion in debt next year. And uh, there's no safeguards in there. These things, they say there's going to be a pause for uh, uh, two years. You know, we've talked about that when I was in there for eight years. There was never a pause on spending. Spending always went up. The pay-go that they talk about, before we spend any money, we've got to take it from somewhere else. So that pay-go theory is a great theory. But again, it it goes away, and they never stick to it. The one thing he did do is the 72-hour rule, which was the rule when I was in Congress. You know, that was in 2013 when I came. It's been the rule that you have 72 hours to look over legislation before you bring it. And he said on that um, that message that you sent me that the days of passing bills to see what's in it are gone. I remind people that my last budget that Kevin McCarthy brought, brought up, actually it wasn't a budget, it was the omnibus bill at the end of 2019, it was 2,600 pages, came out at 11.45 at night. We were voting on it the next afternoon, like between 1 and 2 o'clock. 2,600 pages, nobody read. And um, now he's saying we brought an end to it. Well, he was the one that perpetuated it. So here we are. We've got a deal. Um, nothing will change in Washington until they change the mechanics. All right, so if you send the same people back, and then they talk about the things. And if you remember, um, Jody Arrington out of Texas was the budget committee chairman. Well, coming March, April, uh, Kevin wasn't happy with the way that that was coming out. And he removed um, Jody. 
he didn't really remove them. He just went around and came out with his own budget that went to the president. And this is the one they've negotiated. Um, the work requirements that you talk, you hear them kind of talk about and brag on the Republican side. This is in the debt ceiling debate. The work requirements are something that uh, Newt Gingrich forced on to Bill Clinton in 1996. And basically what it says, if you're an able-bodied individual, that's what we call an ABOD, able-bodied individual, uh, between the years of 18 and I think it was 50, um, that you had to be gainfully looking for work 20 hours a week, volunteering 20 hours a week, or getting re-educated, retooled 20 hours a week so that you can move into the workforce. And, um, you know, so that was 96. It got passed. Obama took it out in 2011 because of the recession. And, um, you know, we have fought in the last two farm bills to put it back, even when we had the majority. And the Democrats took it out. And so I bring that up because McCarthy says we got work requirements in for SNAP and TANF. SNAP is um, supplemental needs of uh, for food for families. TANF is te- temporary relief for needy families. Um, so he says they put it back in there, but the authorization bill is the USDA or the farm bill. So I don't even know if it's legal what they're doing because it's they're saying they put it back in there they're not the ones to be able to do that. That goes to the farm committee. And if even if they're successful at doing that, it only saves a little bit of money. And I'm not complaining about the saving. Any place you can save is good for the American people. The best thing is you're, you're encouraging people to move from getting a paycheck from the American taxpayers and not sitting around doing nothing. They have to go out and earn that. So that's a, a big benefit. But again, when the farm bill comes up, and you'll see it around September, um, I'm gonna—I'll be amazed if they are able to get these work requirements in there the way they should be. So, you know, um, we can talk more about that. Uh, you know, if I raise any questions, go ahead and ask. Well, I think you put your finger on some of the sticking points, as I understand them. Is Democrats just don't want to have anybody work to get. Uh, <clears throat> so, you know, let's keep on putting them out there because they're buying votes with them. I mean, that's the that's the brutality of comment to make. I mean, it's cutting it to it, you know, kind of a bloody wound. But that's basically what you say. I mean, that's how they look at government money. Uh, government money is to use to manipulate your power base, uh, not really to better the country. And if I were the leader of this whole effort, I would try to hold everything up to that criterion. Is this better for the country? Um but you seem to uh, have been uh, dismayed and probably uh, turned off by the division in the committee level. How do they get anything um, past a committee level? I mean, I mean, it seems like a lot of good stuff never gets out of there I, I, and, and uh, never works its way to the um, front page conversation. Well, there are some good things that come out, but I agree with you. So much of that gets turned over to the committee. You know, the chairman is supposed to direct the committee. But so many times, especially on a big bill like a farm bill or the uh, end of the year spending bill on September 30th, which will be another fight, and they'll go to a CR. Those committees take over, and they're the ones driving the ship, or they're the ones wagging the dog. They come out, here's your bill. And the chairman will look at it. And if they're not an engaged chairman that really cares about the reforms this country needs on our spending, um, they'll go with a bill that comes out. And it's, it's, it's a weak compromise. 
In fact, that video you sent me, or maybe it was the one that Scott Perry sent me, at the end of it, he was the uh, budget um, guy for uh, Biden. He said that this bill was great because it preserved the progressive agenda that Biden's done in the last two and a half years. It's preserved those things. And the Republicans are taking that for a win because it didn't get worse. They're, They're accepting where the needle got moved to the left. And this is how the, the country, just over time, it slips more into from a constitutional republic to more socialism. And now we're seeing it going to Marxism. And I said that back when I was in Congress, I think it was 2020, I was on the Bob Rowe show. And, and I said, this country, the Democrats today, the, the hardcore Democrats, they're not Democrats, they're Marxist, socialists at best, but at best, but really they're Marxists. And uh, I'll argue with anybody or debate anybody on that when you look at these policies that they're putting in place. And um, so for the Democrats to say that we we got everything, we preserved everything that this administration done has done in, the, in their liberal policies, you know, so they're happy because they didn't go backwards. We're ex- we basically accept what they did that we didn't like before. And, uh, you know, until they change the mechanics, and we can get into that later if you want to, um, it's going to be the same thing. And now watch from here. Um, there's going to be um, movement to say we're going to vacate the chair if that happens. Um, first off, this bill will pass with the Democratic support. Then there'll be the move to vacate the chair. Kevin McCarthy, my prediction is he'll retain speakership. And I would be surprised if there weren't Democrats coming in to support him. And if that does happen, Kevin's history is is over. This Congress is because everything's going to be passed. And Boehner did the same thing with Democratic support. And, um, you know, they want to protect that party of big government, you know, protect the status quo. And, um, you know, so then we move into September. They're going to come out with the omnibus bill, which is which means it's an all encompassing bill to cover all the spending for the year. And it's going to be just more spending, uh, increased our debt, um, and probably our deficit. And um, what you're going to see is there's going to be another fight, and they won't be able to solve it. So they'll go to a short-term CR, a continuing resolution. And that'll go um, up to the end of the year. And they'll probably pass it into the next year so they can get through the, the holidays. And it's a repeat of what I've seen for the eight years I was there, for the two years I've been out. But it's also a repeat of four or five, probably since the Gingrich years, of they just keep doing this stuff. I think we covered this the last time we talked. We got a question here. You know, watching the conventional media, uh, they'll hype this and be very hysterical about it. And you sure. watch them say, uh, by golly, we're going to run out of money and this won't happen. And then we'll be in a tank and this, that, one, another. But I don't think that's <clears throat> that's not even close to true, is it, Ted? No, it's not. Uh, there's plenty of money. There's money coming in every day. We get money on leases uh, for oil leases, even though they can't drill. We get money uh, coming in from uh, foreign countries uh, for where our military is. Uh, we get uh, all the revenues coming in from, uh, you know, intellectual property, things like that, that the government has. And, um, you know, so there's money coming in every day. Um, this whole thing that if we don't raise the debt ceiling, we're going to default. That is such a misnomer. And, of course, the media plays with it. Janet Yellen and the people in charge are, are using that as leverage 
because when we got and I would I never voted for that. And when I didn't, I'm getting calls from veterans, uh, seniors, which I am one now, uh, people <laughs> in the military, where they're, they're mad at me because they said, you've cut off my payments. I said, well, have you missed a payment? They said, well, no, but you're going to. I'm going to. And I'm like, you're going to get paid in whole. It may be a little bit late, which nobody likes. But if we don't write the course of the ship, it's going to go down. And it's going to take these tough things. And it's, it's, it's really you're playing poker. And I know that people that are dependent on the check, they don't like you playing poker. They want you to fix the job. But until you bring the reality of how bad our fiscal uh, situation is, this is going to continue. And it's going to continue until – and I, I told this to Boehner my first year up there. I, says, I said, Mr. Mr. Speaker, I said, it's not a matter of whether you deal with your debt or not. You either deal with your debt in a proactive way or your debt will deal with you in the way they have to. You know, you'll be dictated by what you have to do. And those are the austerity measures. And if you want to see a good example, look at France, look at Greece, um, look at some of these countries that went through these these terrible reforms, Argentina, Brazil, I think. Yeah. And you get to a point where there's no more money, so you have to cut programs. You know, you have to raise retirement age. You have to cut back food stamps. You have to cut that. That's what we're trying to avoid. And it's going to take strong leadership to address the issue. And we don't have that up there. Former Ted uh, Yoho here about the debt ceiling and trying to straighten out what might be confusing to many of you. And that's the uh, terminology that's used. And, of course, the media hype that makes this a big breaking news type deal. There's nothing breaking about it. It's been breaking ever since Ted was there. Been breaking. You know what? Yeah. I, I encourage people to go back and look at the debt ceiling debates we had in 2013 to 2015. Google my name or anybody else that stood up against raising the debt ceiling. If you Google my name, you'll see what the media came after me. Said that guy's a moron. He should have stayed behind a cow. He doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> we'll do that and, right now. Uh, you're talking, you know, and I can accept that. You know, I'm not an economist and. Uh, um, but if you look at it, it's the same fear mongering that they're doing now. If we don't raise the debt ceiling, we're going to default. All right. I want you to also look at our debt. We are 13, 13 and a half trillion dollars in debt in 2013. We're at 34 trillion dollars. Um, what is that? Nine years later, or 10 years later, um, 34 trillion. So it went up more than double. Where's it going to be in another five, 10 years if we don't change it? Not raising the debt ceiling does not trigger a default. A default is when you don't pay your bills. We have the money to pay our bills, but they they use this to scare people so that you raise hell with your elected members and say, don't you dare not raise the debt ceiling or don't you dare shut the government down. Well, you know what? I just looked up. I took you uh, your advice while you're talking. Oh, you? I looked up. <laughs> Yeah, to, uh, here's the deal. Now, th- th- listen, this is this is wild. Now, this is in the Insider, Business Insider. And here's the headline. And a guy named Joe Weisenthal wrote it on October 7th, 2013. Are you ready? <laughs> Tea Party Congressman wins an award for the stupidest thing said about the debt ceiling. <laughs> I mean, that was in the Rolling Stone, Bill Maher, all those, those morons. The Washington Post profiles Florida Tea Party Tea Party Congressman 
Ted Yoho, you, you can't live without a label, right? Who says this about not raising the debt ceiling? Let's see what you said. I think we need to have that moment where we realize we're going broke, Yoho said. If the debt ceiling isn't raised, that will sure as heck be a moment. I think personally it would bring stability to the world markets since they would be assured that the United States had moved decisively to curb its debt. Uh, <laughs> I think that's you, uh, pretty reasonable. <laughs> at, yeah, but 10 years ago, basically 10 years ago. That was and, before uh, I was refined and knowledgeable. <laughs> yeah, that was that. And of course, they jumped on you about that, said it was the stupidest thing. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, let me throw out stupid. If I owed $13.5 trillion 10 years ago and did nothing about it, and I owe $34 trillion today, <laughs> that's stupid to me. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, this is out of the, this is by somebody named Connor Simpson, who's out of the Atlantic uh, publication, October 5th, 2013. Ted Yoho thinks not raising the debt ceiling is a great idea. Everyone who knows anything about economics agrees. Not raising the debt ceiling is a horrible idea. <laughs> but Ted Yoho, a Republican congressman from Florida who used to work as a veterinarian, they think they worked that in, right? Yeah. Thinks the debt ceiling should stay where it is forever. Oh, my no, God. No, I did not say that. I didn't say forever. I just said aggressive. I'm telling you. I'm telling and, you. And you brought it up in the beginning of, the, uh, of your show. We've all had money issues or we all have learned to manage money. Yeah. Um, and I've been where I've been, I've had a little bit more money than a little bit less and I've been broke and I've had a little bit more money, you know, and what I've come to realize is better to have a little more and extra than a <laughs> less a little bit sooner than later. And that's true for our government. You know, you can't do the program. All you have to do is look at mandatory spending and discretionary spending and see how that pie chart, I'll try to draw it out when you're on break. And when you see that, it's just like, no wonder we're broke. Um, uh, because we've got so much mandatory spending and um, there will be austerity measures at some point. And I said that 13 years ago or 10 years ago. And, and got slammed for it and got slammed for it. Yeah. And, and yeah. it hasn't happened. So I don't want to be the guy crying wolf, but I do know economics well enough to know that if you get into a tight spot, you're going to have to start cutting stuff. And uh, that's what we're. I was trying to avoid. And that's what the members of the Freedom Caucus are trying to avoid. Well, another quote. This is fun. I mean, this really is interesting. Quote from you. I'm not going to raise the debt ceiling, Yoho, a member of the Republican bloc who pushed for the government shutdown. This is prior Washington. to Freedom Caucus. Uh, yeah. The 58-year-old House freshman that <laughs> right. he has decided against the better judgment of economic experts and both <laughs> Republican and Democratic leaders that not raising will not lead to the catastrophic economic effects we've been warned about. In That's fact, right. not raising the debt ceiling will be beneficial for the world's economy, Yoho has decided. There you go, brother. Yeah, you know, America is supposed to be the leader in the world economically. We used to account for over 60% of the GDP, world GDP output. And now we're, I think we're 40. And so we have, we're losing our edge just in our volume. But the principles should be stronger than ever. And if if America would say, you know what, world, and we're borrowing money from you know foreign countries, I think 25, 30 percent of our debt is owned by either China or Japan or other 
if we were to tell the, the government or the uh, governments around the world and say, you know what, we've got a problem. It'd be like an alcoholic saying, you know what, I've got a drinking problem and I'm going to admit it. I'm going to go to treatment and we're going to fix this. If the American government would say, the, the leaders up there, if the leaders would say, we've got a spending problem and we all know that, we are going to put everything on pause. We will pay our bills and we're going to adjust our economy so that we become a strong economy again. And again, I'll show you that pie chart. And when people understand the pie chart, they're like, yeah, this has got to be fixed. If not, we're in for a financial ruin. I don't know if it's going to be this year, next year, whenever. But, um, you know, at some point you have to pay the piper. You know, I think it's really we stumbled across an interesting thing here. Uh, and we have you as a focus point. And um, you have been very consistent in your position, which is probably why you haven't been pleased as a politician, because these other guys, I'm telling you, Ted, these other guys will say pretty much what's needed to be said. It looks that way to us outside looking in. And you can't trust a word they say because they're. Can you give me a couple examples of that right now, for example? I know you can off the top of your head. As far as. You know, what somebody right now, right now in today's conversation, some politicians saying, you know, I can probably read them off with a couple of the articles. Oh, they're just saying this is a good, well, the Dusty Johnson out of South Dakota said, this is a great bill because the Democrats didn't get anything. Well, the Democrats preserved all the terrible things they did for the last two years. There weren't the spending cuts. This rescission, they say, of the, the COVID funds, <clears throat> they talk about $26 billion. In actual actuality, it's it's about four to six billion dollars that they're going to rescission is when you take money back from a program. So the PPE program or the uh, um, payment protection program, they're going to take that money back and they make it sound like it's twenty six billion dollars. But there's only about four to six billion they're taking back. And I don't want to say only because that's still good. The other monies go into a special fund that the administration and the agencies control that we can't get to, we, the, the, the Congress can't get to. So they're free to use that money however they want to. So when they talk about $26 billion, it's, it's, it's malarkey. Um, uh, for you young people, you'll have to look that up. Um, so, I mean, that's one of the examples, the, the work requirement programs that we talked about. You know how many, I mean, that's a song and dance we keep seeing. And again, the authorization and the appropriation for that is in the USD era in the, the farm bill. And for them to do this in there, it may be a temporary pause. But if they don't fix it in the farm bill, it'll be temporary. And I think when you poll that, should people that are getting assistance from the federal government, if they're able to work, should they be required to work a minimum of 20 hours a week or volunteer or get educated? That's like an 80% across the board. People say, yeah, you shouldn't get money for free. We know that, yet we can't get that passed. So that's something that it'll be interesting. Just pay attention to see what happens in September in the farm bill. You know, and we then, inherited that from the Great Society. Yeah. That whole thing started downhill. you got well, to be able to look back on the moment before and after. Because well, I right think, there, huh? the, the, the Great Society, and you ask, why, why does this keep happening? The Democrats want to give you what you want to keep you where you're at so you keep voting Democrat. In the meantime, this country is going into a direction that when they wake up, um, it's it's not going to be the America we grew up with. And, um, you know, you're I mean, all you have to do is look at what's happened. 
I don't want to say from Obama forward, but it's really come under, you know, under hyperspeed under Biden with the with the pandemic, with the mandates. You have to get the vaccines. There's something floating around out there on one of those YouTube channels or whatever it is. And it has all the hatred and spewing from the commentators, uh, Rachel Maddow, all these people, Joe Biden, Anthony Fauci. Yeah. If you don't take the shot, you're going to die. If you don't take the shot, you're killing the rest of us. You should be banned. You should be done. You know, if you have, if you haven't had the COVID shot and you need a medical procedure, you should die. I mean, this is what they were saying on TV in the public. So let let these people be in charge. They will mandate everything in your life, just like China does today in China. I think it's so interesting to take this travel back in time, which is just about 10 years exactly, and to see them already try to tip the scale of the public opinion by labeling you um, Tea Party. And that means that reminds me that Lois Lerner is still drawing a check, uh, was absolutely weaponized to go after the Tea Party. Uh, yeah. And still, still, we weaponized IRS to go after, uh, quote unquote, people who are not on the right, uh, haven't gotten in step and stayed in step. You know, it's um, and that that doesn't get written about. And, and um, you know, it's, it's, it's really I got it. You know, we'll get back after the break and talk about some other things. And a lot of discussion about old Sleepy Joe's strategy of not going out anywhere and talking and taking any of this and that. I think it's a good strategy for him because. He'll just let the press run coverage for him. He doesn't need to go out and say anything. Right. If I were he, I'd stay in the basement too. I'd let the press go run my game for me. Well, just think of the liberal agenda that's being moved forward in this country. And he doesn't have to say anything. And, of course, the Republicans, as we always talk about, <coughs> excuse me, we bash Biden, we bash programs, but the programs go forward. And it's just like Dusty Johnson said, or that guy said, we reserve, we preserve all the liberal progressive uh, movement we've had in the last two and a half years. We didn't gain, we didn't lose any ground on that. And so that's really what the Republicans should be focusing on, um, not doing hearings on spaceships and some of the other stuff they're doing. Um, anyways, we'll talk about that. And we've been talking with Ted Yo about, and you can do this my, yourself, my listeners and viewers, simply do what I did. and. Go to Google and put in Ted Yoho debt ceiling. Just those four words, Ted Yoho debt ceiling, and out will come all these things in your lap. Uh, Amazing uh, for life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, all these, uh, all these articles, and then look at the articles and the language that's used to predetermine your attitude toward Ted. Uh, you should. They said I was crazy. They said yeah. I, I was crazy. Because yeah, I wanted were, to stop spending at thirteen and a half trillion. Yeah, you were really crazy, crazy for wanting to manage money well. Come on, brother. Come on. Yeah. We'll be right back in a moment on Ward's uh, 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 Ward Scott files here, and uh, we'll do the weather a little bit and and continue. But meanwhile, my friends, look it up your own self. It's right there in, in black and white. You're right back on the Ward Scott files. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on 
on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All these poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Welcome back to Ward Scott Files here in the Piney Woods of North Central Florida's Ward's Weather Report. Brought to you by Lewis Oil, Fossil Fuel, by golly, and a great supporter of this show. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, Fossil Fuel. Jump out a window. Get off the ledge. Um, we got a mild kind of day today, really. I mean, it's not going to dip into, uh, uh, bump into 90 and it's uh, in the 70s now. But we're really looking for rain. And there is a tropical development that has been taking place in the Atlantic. It's the first official days of hurricane season, by the way, on June 1st which is tomorrow. Believe it or not, it is here upon us. So get ready. Um, this could be right now in the Gulf. We have what's referred to on AccuWeather as a blossoming area of thunderstorms over the Gulf of Mexico. Now, I would love for them to really become that and come our way, and I would love for the system to strengthen, although not so much that we had the full-blown hurricane and the wind, but I would love to have the drenching downpour. So uh, satellite images and radar are revealing that the thunderstorms are bubbling up over the central Gulf of Mexico yeah. uh, yesterday. And by today, the thunderstorms have shifted farther to the east and they're being joined by a substantial amount of activity near the Bahamas. So maybe, maybe, maybe I'm looking at a colorful map here. We'll have a little bit of uh, uh, weather like that. Water temperatures over the central and eastern Gulf of Mexico range right now from the mid-70s to the low 80s. And in order for tropical development to occur, water temperatures need to be in the upper 70s or higher. So uh, there we go. Get ready and uh, 
get the positive out of it, we don't need the negative. Talking with Ted Yellow, we're having a lot of fun because we've just stumbled yes. upon a way to talk about it now and then. Uh, take a subject that would have been Congress and check out how Ted was treated for his uh, treatment of it uh, when he was in Congress and what's going on now. And lo and behold, you'll see nothing's changed. In fact, maybe it's <laughs> gotten worse and probably gotten worse because there's more money. More than two. <laughs> yeah. And I would say more lies have been told. I'm sorry. The devil made me say it, but I just don't trust the politicians. But I trust Ted. Ted shows up every Wednesday as reliably as the sun rises and sets. So what do you think? You think you got a reliable man here, but he's not treated I, I that too. <laughs> yeah, by the Atlantic and the other things from which we read. Ted, you know, this is a very interesting show today because um, we uh, have stumbled across these pork projects, as Ken Hillier calls them, um, um, that just uh, are never, you're never going to cut them out of D.C., it doesn't look like. No, you can't. And so if you look at the situation, how do we get out of this? Um, you know, we talked about Kevin and that Garrett Grave, the guy pointed out in, in the picture with McCarthy and Patrick McHenry. He's the one <clears throat> that called me to try to get Laura Luna to change her vote. And then he asked me, where are you? Where would you be with Kevin? And I told him I wouldn't support him. And I listed all those things. He agreed to everything I said, but he is one of the lieutenants of McCarthy. So he wants that position. And I think a lot of these guys do it for good intentions, thinking they can help steer the ship, but um, it's not so. And until we change the dynamics up there and what really needs to happen, and this is something I proposed, I wrote out a whole agenda for being speaker, is I think they should go to a two-year budgeting instead of every year. So every January, the whole budget process starts over. Um, and they have these silly fights like we have every year. It's worse when the Democrat or the Republicans are in there because there are some up there that believe in fiscal responsibility. The Democrats, they can't spend enough. So any program they can get passed, if they have the majority in the House and the Senate, it's going to pass. And that's why the debt went up so much. Uh, they're going to blame it on COVID and they're going to blame it on Trump. But the truth is the spending went on under them. They also claim that they have the lowest unemployment since the 60s. The number of unemployment is true, but when you go for and they've taken out the people not looking for jobs. That's at an all-time high. That's over 6 million people not even looking for jobs because the benefit program is so high. Um, you know, you can get a check for not working. So until you change those dynamics, and what I propose is when you come into a new Congress, and we missed that window in this Congress, fight to get a two-year budgeting. So <clears throat> whatever your country would spend in two years based on <clears throat> previous spending, agree to that. And I agree that it's going to be more spending. But if I were able to get that done, if I were the speaker and got that done by April of the first year of Congress, I've got 20 months to go in and systematically reform these programs the way they need to be in D.C. What fundamentally needs to be changed not, is not America, like Obama said. It's Washington, D.C., and if you had 20 months and you had the majority in the House and Senate, you could go in there and reform like the Department of Energy. Why are they investigating the beginnings of COVID, the origin of COVID? Why do they have 12,000 employees? Why do those 12,000 employees make over 124,000 a year? You know, and so reform these programs and you can save money by reforming the programs 
getting rid of some of the um, uh, re reissue the mandate of what that program was or that agency was. And if you do that, you get a natural attrition of government. You get a decrease in spending without cutting any programs and then reform the program. So they're here, the social net programs for those that need them. They're here long term and they're, they perform the way they were designed. But until they do that, the circus is going to go around until we go broke. And then austerity measures will be forced upon us either by the hard choices that we have to make or by other countries that own our debt. Got a question here, Ted, uh, with the Freedom Caucus. Do you think that the Freedom Caucus, we've talked about this uh, repeatedly because you're uh, well-connected with them, can bring this back to some sort of uh, uh, win for the sensible people? I know they're going to get smeared just like you did. I'm looking again. Here you are. You didn't know you got this award, but, you know, you got it from Business Insider. Tea Party Congressman wins an award for the stupidest thing said about the debt ceiling. So you're, you've got a trophy, Ted. Uh, and Bloomberg piled on you and said the dumbest thing said about the debt ceiling so far. So you're, you, you're, a, you're a trophy holder, buddy. I mean, really. <laughs> I'll put those on my wall. And again, yeah. I want to just say, what is, what is stupid? Stupid yeah. is being at $13.5 trillion in debt, but not changing it and going to $34 trillion in debt my question now is, who's stupid? <laughs> now who's stupid? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> there you are. They That's always said when you stick your head up above the crowd, expect tomatoes. And, you know, because we just said the emperor doesn't have any clothes. You know, this is this is lunacy. Well, how close to a done deal is because the Freedom Caucus is saying we're not going to do a thing. And then they got the other side of the aisle, the Democratic <laughs> people who are holding out to their uh, uh to go back to that question you asked, uh, can the Freedom Caucus do anything? My bet is no. Uh, they're going to yeah. make a lot of noise, and um, there'll be a lot of angst, and I think you'll see division in there. If you go back to see who voted for Kevin McCarthy, Jim Jordan, uh, um, 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 Alex Mooney, who's running for Senate in Virginia, Warren Davison, you've got a lot of the moderates in the Freedom Caucus that were hardcore Really hardcore Freedom Caucus people. They moderated. Um, Chip Roy was one of those, and and Chip is saying there's no way he can support this. You know whether they support it or not. My bet is it passes, and you'll have Democrats um, voting for not all of them, but enough to make it pass. I mean, why wouldn't you? Because it's preserved the the, the headway they made in since uh, O'Biden has been in office, um, and so. Um, the the Freedom Caucus, I think, is probably going to get diminished. I think they'll call for a vote for um, um, vacating the chair. But I think if they do, it wouldn't surprise me if you had enough Democrats again to save McCarthy. And why wouldn't the Democrats come in to support him? Just enough to get keep him as speaker because they have preserved the Democrat agenda and the liberal policies. Um, the wins that we say the Republicans say they got, there may be a few minor ones in there, but the course of the country is we're gaining more in debt. And uh, that that's going to fall on somebody. It'll be our grandchildren or the next generation. But it is going to have to be dealt with. Where does Joe Manchin fit in this? Got a question on that. He's uh, he's an interesting character. He is. Um, I truly expect him to throw his name into the presidential race. Um I'm surprised he hasn't. I'm surprised he hasn't. Yeah. I'm sure he'll go along. Yeah. 
Well, he wants that pipeline. He has his uh, base there in the, the Virginia, West Virginia area. He can't he can't uh, betray too much, or he won't be back. Well, you know they they approved some of those things, but you know let's see what happens after this passes. What happens in the rule process? You know because they can just put the brakes on approving anything. They can say, oh yeah, we agreed to that, but you ain't getting it. And that's the kind of trickery that goes on up there because there's just too much of that. And a lot of that comes from the bureaucracy up there that's left after uh, politicians come and go. And, you know, the whole dynamics, like I said, the mechanics have to change. And, um, you know, dare somebody to say that and then the media will go after him. Say that guy's a moron. He's, he's stupid. The dumbest thing I've ever heard. I don't think so. I think the dumbest they thing. Might give, a, they might give him the Ted Yoho trophy. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, if you keep searching, if you're bored and have insomnia, keep searching. I mean, there's some <laughs> and, oh, yeah. you know, Again, I was a freshman, came in there, and I just said, we're not raising it. And it was, I just said, if you address the issue, I think, what's wrong with that? We're going to deal with this, and we're going to fix it, and we're going to come out stronger. Um, for that, I got criticized, yet our debt has more than doubled about two and a half times since then. Yeah, I just got a, we got a really good numbers cruncher here. It says the debt service on the national debt is almost as much as the GDP. Yeah, that's right. The debt service, that means your interest payment. Yeah. And I didn't draw up that chart, but basically, if you looked at a pie chart, just a circle, in 1964, mandatory spending and discretionary spending. Mandatory spendings are things like, of course, we didn't have it then, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. Uh, veterans, um, uh, not the military, but veterans benefits, um, those kind of things, and the interest on our debt, that was about 30% of all of our spending. 70% was discretionary. So that's, you know, discretionary is what you have left over at the end of the month after you've paid all your bills. That was 70% of the money. That's how you could do an Apollo space program, a moon landing. That's how you could build the interstate system like Eisenhower did. That's how you could invest in technology like we did. Now, today, if you look at it, that pie chart, discretionary spending, no, mandatory spending is over 70%. And again, that's Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, retirement programs for our military, you know, and, and certain things like that. And it's also the interest on our debt. Discretionary spending is about 28%, 28 to 30%. And what discretionary spending is, is all the things that run government, the, um, the, all the departments, all the agencies, uh, Department of Education, Health, EPA, uh, all those agencies, uh, the 12 different agencies, those are all discretionary, plus 100% of our military, the armaments, the ships, the Navy, every service, the pay for all those people. So that's all discretionary. And we spent, I think it was $880 billion in, in military, which was military, just, uh, all the other things outside of um, the military were about a 50-50. Now military is about 60, 55 to 60% of discretionary spending. So this is getting squeezed down here. This is where Congress wants to save money. And it's in the reform of government and programs where the big savings will be. And, um, you know, when you look at how fast we went from 64 to 2023, 70% discretionary spending to less than 30%, uh, it's a downward spiral. 
and as your listener brought up, the service on our debt is almost equivalent to what we're paying for our military. Uh, it's between seven and eight hundred billion dollars. And you know, we I don't know why we gave the military sixty billion dollars more than Biden wanted. I would have sent him a couple freighters and some uh, uh, some hauling trucks and brought back equipment from Afghanistan that they left. No kidding. No kidding. Yeah. yeah, I was just thinking about that as you uh, were talking, by the way, to finish this gentleman's thoughts. We have already defaulted, he says, whether we raise the debt ceiling or not. It is all fiat money. We can never pay exactly. off. The yeah, we can never pay off the national debt. You know, it's, the, the, it's gentleman talking, the, gentleman really talking, the gentleman talking here used to investigate Food, uh, uh, food stamp fraud. And well, he knows this well. So he knows this extremely well and has a really sharp mind for numbers. Um, and talking, uh, yeah, I'm looking at chat line. You all are listening. We got about 10 minutes left here. Uh, you can talk with us and I'll pass it along. Um, you know, it's, um, let's see if I lose my train of thought here, uh, which I hopefully won't, but you know, it could happen. I'm getting on down the line. Well, here. while you're doing that, how do we fix this? Anybody yeah. that's from Kevin McCarthy and was saying what a great job he was going to do and a great leader, I'd vote him out of office. You know, they don't have the brass or the backbone to stand up and make tough decisions. And again, you either make tough decisions today or accept what's going to come down the road. And those are going to be ugly decisions. Here's another point. They cut $1.2 billion from the IRS out of the $80 billion approved. Um, I'm back to the military. I, I am, you know... I don't know how to say this without offending someone. So why should that bother me, right? Uh, yeah, I hadn't stopped you before. <laughs> hadn't stopped me before. We had a national commitment to serving the country, military needs. Once upon a time, we had the draft. And the people who are now in charge, the Jane Fondas and these people, Raised hell about that, okay, because of the Vietnam War. I'm just giving you a scenario that may or may not make sense, but I so here we go. So to appease those people, we did away with that conscription and went to paying for service. Really, we have a mercenary army, I guess, in a way. Well, I don't want to say we have a mercenary army. Uh, because the people that go in to serve, they go in for the right reason. Well, they're great guys. Don't get me wrong. But I think I think but some of guys. our politicians think they're mercenary army. That's right. I don't, that's, thank you for sharpening that pencil for me. Not the guys who are in there, because, I mean, those are great guys. I mean, I, I, I shoot with them at the range. By the way, go to shoot GTR and shoot at the range with us. Shoot with them at the range. They're great guys, the former Marines, uh, all that, airborne, whole bit. And and But it's the politicians who use them, and in this Afghanistan is a perfect example. Um, just leave the stuff right on the desert floor once we're through with that political uh, uh, need, you know, and that will be damned because we have the American public to pay for more of it. Yeah, I'm offended as an American citizen that they left, I forget how many billions of dollars of armament. It's bad enough just to leave it, but whose hands did it go into? You know, that's the scary thing. And then they have the brass and the, the nerve to come and say, we, we we want to give the military $60 billion more than the president asked for. It's like, well, go get it. You left it over there. 
And, you know, that goes back to leadership. And Trump was right when he told Miley he wanted to bring that stuff home. And Miley and the other guys said, oh, it would be too costly. You know, I think it sends the wrong message to the American taxpayers. And it also sends a message to these other people that America is going to cut and run, which really offends our military people that went there and served and the people that lost their lives over there. You know, I think it was, well, and it goes deeper than that. Our foreign policy, we should never have been in Afghanistan and Iraq. Um, I, I'm, I was always against that. Yeah, we got bombed, but it was the Saudis and the, we should have put the, the um, the, I don't want to say retribution, but we should have gone after the, the root cause, not um, the, the, the area where they were doing that, you know, the recruiting and all that. And I think we could have handled that a lot better. Um, and, and we get into these foreign wars with no end, a 20-year war, and we have to just walk away and leave our stuff there. I mean, that's an insult to our military and the people that lost their lives in that. And these same dunderheads are in there. And then when you stand up and say, we're not going to raise the debt ceiling, debt, not raising debt ceiling doesn't cause a default. And I get beat up in the press 10 years ago, but yet these same dunderheads are in there and nobody calls them out on like, you guys are crazy. And so that's, uh, you know, until we get people in there in mass at the same time, and it'll take two Congresses, people that said, we're not putting up with the status quo. We are going to change, fundamentally change and transform Washington, D.C., and it will be a fight, but it can be done. And I fear if we don't do that, this country will fall into socialism or Marxism like we see going on right now. And have Kamala Harris as your president and Jeffries and Schumer as your leaders of the House and Senate. And um, uh, Kamala saying that, you know, we haven't done enough for equity until each of uh, each everybody's equal. We're not we're not fixed as a country. And that's not America. You know, um there are those who also think, including uh, Barr, Attorney General Barr, former. He's a hack. <laughs> yeah, but that this that this so-called capital insurrection was treason and terroristic. There are others who think it was the frustration of the American people, most of whom just went there to make a quiet protest. You know, what we're talking about here, are we not? is a few who led the quote-unquote charge. I'm going to leave Trump's culpability in or out of this thing, but um, the people tried to say something. There's one way to look at it, right? They haven't seen an insurrection yet. That was anything but an insurrection. I thought that was very peacefully done. There were some bad things that happened in there, but it goes back to Jefferson and our founding fathers. The tree of liberty has to be refreshed periodically with the blood of patriots and tyrants. And I hope we never get to that, but we're pretty dang close. Um, and for them to label that as an insurrection and anybody associated with that is on a watch list. You know, we are at that point where government has taken over. And, uh, you know, the, the whole thing with the Second Amendment, it was not that we would fear government. It's that government would fear us. And, um, you know, we're going to have to make some tough decisions here, and we're not doing it in Congress. Tom and Ted Yoho here on Ted Yoho Wednesday. Ted's Wednesday, really. And uh, a trophy winner, actually a trophy winner for having the <laughs> dumbest thing the in Congress. The stupidest about, thing you could ever say. Yeah, you know, the dumbest thing said about the debt ceiling so far. Um, I guess that's the dumbest thing you have said so far. 
not the dumbest thing. Oh, I said I say dumb things every day. Yeah, but I mean, I guess that's right. <laughs> I guess that's what they're saying. And he's got more dumb things to say. I'm sure is what they meant uh, after well, the debt seal. Yeah. yeah. If you've got insomnia, you can find a bunch of dumb things. <laughs> oh golly. Uh, I'm just looking at chat make, line here. Makes you want to serve, doesn't it? <laughs> well, I'm telling you what. Well, people ask me that all the time, and I pass along that complimentary remarks to you uh, from a listener out in, in Mississippi uh, who is as frustrated as can be, I'm sure. Um, and because we get nothing done, we spin the tires, and um, we haven't had time to talk about this DeSantis uh, Biden. Um, you know, line up with uh, Trump and all that, how that's playing out. I was saying, uh, you know, there's perfectly good reason for uh, Biden to stay in the basement. And like we said earlier, let that's sure. rest on the interference for him. The media and, uh, and the, the, the big money will uh, do his bidding for him. Yeah, and all these behind-the-scenes deals are being cut now that are either over the head of the electorate or hidden. Um, you know, I'm sure if I gave a quiz now on what we've discussed, uh, for this uh, hour about debt ceiling, um, half these kids have to copy off each other because <laughs> it's pretty complicated, you know? It and is complicated. <clears throat> deliberately so it, goes back to what, it goes back to what Kennedy said. We don't do these things because they're easy. We do them because they're right and they're hard to do, but we have to do them. I kind of ad-libbed that a little bit. That wasn't That'll bad. work. But Question I mean, coming in any, if on the digital currency. That you hear. I like the idea of the digital currency. If it's outside of the government's control, if the government gets control of it, they can monitor everything you're doing, what you're buying, where you're going, who you're talking to. And if they don't like it, um, they can cut off your source of uh, revenue or your transactions. And all you have to do is look at what China is doing. China's, China, the Chinese Communist Party has what they call the good citizen score. And they monitor everything a person does. And if you don't have the right score, you're prohibited from doing anything, traveling, uh, going to movies, going to concerts. It, it's really it's really Orwellian over there, and we're rapidly approaching that. So digital currency, if it is in the hands of the people or in it, within the system of the blockchains where government can't get in there and shut it down, I'm kind of all for that. And I would personally like us to start paying taxes, pay our taxes, but put them in a blockchain in a Bitcoin type of thing where our money is over there and government can't get it. It's not that we're refusing to pay it. We're just saying you don't get it until you start following the laws and land and the Constitution and then let it out as they do it. And uh, but if it's in the hand of the government and they can turn the switch on and off. Go go Google that thing on, on uh, I was telling you about on the hatred on COVID and not getting a COVID vaccine. Look at the hatred these people had. And these will be the people that are in control. If you go out and buy ammunition, if you can find it, then they'll shut you off. You know, they have the ability to do that. Whether they would do that, I don't know. But I don't want to find out. And Tom and Ted, yo, on Ted's Wednesday, it was time to go now. And you may, of course, see the show on about 37 different platforms or hear it, one of the two or both, and share it as much as you can. And, uh, these conversations are uh, pretty pretty special. You don't get to hear these in this depth uh, very many places. And if your eyes have glazed over, just go back and Google Ted and debt ceiling, and you'll have some fun. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I think that was one of the most interesting things we've done today. 
is uh, stumble across your your uh, your uh, kind of a a shady past here. <laughs> yeah, I know, and I'm I'm just a complete moron. Uh, you know, <laughs> look at yeah. Why? Because you're a large animal veterinarian. <laughs> you know what? My books are fiscally sound in my household, in my businesses. <laughs> That's all I can say. And the people that are railing against me, they look at the government. Yeah, you keep promoting that, and uh, <laughs> I'll take my finances over there. Well, thanks for joining today, Tennessee, in a week, man. You betcha. Take care. Have a great day. Take care. Bye, everybody. Thanks for letting me offer the opportunity to be here. Yeah, man. Warthog Command Center out.